We are going through Matthew, and we are calling our series King. And the reason for that is because the author of Matthew is... Oh my gosh, what is wrong with you guys? Just say it. Matthew, yes. Like, easiest answer you guys will get today. Unless I say, who loves you? And you can say, Jesus? Yeah, Jesus loves you. But the author of Matthew is Matthew. And his point in writing his gospel... There was four Gospels overall. His Gospel points out that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, there's, after you read Matthew's Gospel, there's no denying that Jesus is the Messiah. <clears throat> and as well as that Jesus is our King. He came and led us as the best King ever. Now, He wasn't like the typical kings in that time. But He led us in, any, uh, in the best way that anyone could ever do. So, the Messiah that the Jews were looking for to come down and lead them and bring them salvation, Jesus would do. But there were some people that missed that. There were some people that weren't able to see Jesus himself or they at first didn't believe who he was or for people uh, that, again, were too young to know who Jesus was or even us today. We can read Matthew and know and declare that Jesus is the Messiah. He is our King. So that is why we are calling Matthew uh, the, we're giving it the series title, King, just as a reminder for you guys. So, for you high scores and junior hires that don't remember what we've gone through the last couple weeks, we are in the end of Matthew chapter 4 today, and we have been in Matthew for the last three weeks. Now, we skipped uh, chapters 1 and 2 because that's the Christmas story. We're going to go back to that a little closer to Christmas, so reminded, we are reminded what Christmas is all about. Uh, but we started in Matthew chapter 3, and there was a character that we went over. We went over the uh, part of John the Baptist's life, kind of the, his uh, main mission, which was to tell people about Jesus. Remember, we called him the hype man. He was the guy that told, like, got people excited about who Jesus was, kind of like when you go to a concert and there's the hype man. He's like, are you guys ready for a big, fantastic show? And you guys are like, yeah, kind of like you guys need one right now because you guys are the deadest group I've taught in a long time. Seriously, I don't know if it's this room or whatever, but I don't know what Aaron's doing to you guys, but whatever. Anyway, so John the Baptist was the hype man. He's telling everybody about Jesus and changing lives. His main message was repentance. Get your life right. <clears throat> and getting ex people excited about Jesus, the Messiah. He was coming. So we've gone over a little bit of his life and his message and his lifestyle, which was a crazy lifestyle. He was a guy who smelt weird, he dressed weird, he ate weird foods, and lived in weird places. On the outside, he kind of looked like a homeless person. But Jesus, later on in the book of Matthew, we saw Jesus described John the Baptist as one of the greatest men to ever live. And when we saw that, we're like, that's weird, because I look at John the Baptist, and he looks like a, a homeless hippie. What's going on with that? But we saw that John the Baptist's purpose was to live his life fully for Jesus, not for the other people around him, or not even his own pleasures, but to, to live, to serve, and to please Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. And with that, he had the reputation of Jesus himself as one of the greatest men to ever walk this earth. That's pretty cool. And if we can be more like John the Baptist, we should try to do that. Now, I'm not encouraging that you eat bugs, but I'm encouraging that you guys live for Jesus. That's what we've been looking at. Last week, we went over the beginning of chapter 4, 
And we saw Jesus, the main character of this book, and we saw him uh, praying to God and fasting in the wilderness as the Spirit led him there. And we saw that he was approached by the devil himself. And this is like if you read any superhero movie, this is the main villain and the main hero, and they're clashing. We get a conversation between the two. And the main villain here, Satan, tries to tempt Jesus. Tries to tempt Jesus, but Jesus was not tempted. He was able to find victory against the devil. But with our lives, we're tempted every day, and so many times we fall into temptation and give over to sin. So I, I encouraged us last week to look at Jesus. How did he accomplish victory in this temptation? Well, he used the word. He used the scriptures that he knew so well and that were in his heart. And when the devil brought him temptation, he didn't just shout out any random verse. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. Like, that's the one I usually go to, but it, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense for the situation. No, he used exact scriptures that went on, uh, that talked about exactly what Satan was trying to tempt him with, that refuted Satan right in his footsteps. And he found victory, and I, we were encouraged last week to follow Jesus' example to having the scriptures in our heart, working on that relationship with the Lord, spending time with Him, separating ourselves from the distractions of the world. And it's been awesome to see John the Baptist's example and in leading into Jesus' life and His example. So today, we will see uh, Jesus starting out His ministry. And we'll see him talking and building his ministry and then encouraging his ministry as well. So we are in Matthew chapter 4, and we are going to start in verse 12. So if you would, just follow along with me as I read. It says this, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Nephetal that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee, and the Gentiles, the people who sat in the darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the regions and shadows of death, light was dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is Jesus here, as I said, starting out his ministry. And he is now going from the south, and he heads north. And just like John the Baptist, Jesus' main message here is repent. Get your lives right. The time is near. Now when I read that, I often think, oh, the rapture is coming really soon. I have no idea when the rapture is coming. I, has, I would guess soon, but that's a guess. I have no idea when it is, and none of you guys do too. Nobody knows except for God when the rapture will come. But Jesus' message, message is still the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Repent, because you never know. You never know when we're going to pass away. It might be today. I was telling first service, a meteor might crash into this building and take us all out. Maybe. Probably not, but you never know. <clears throat> you never know when your last day will be. 
I've, had, I've experienced a couple deaths in my family and even friends. One of my friends was 10 years old and he slipped and fell on a playground and he died. He was just having fun, normal, normal day, normal life. And he passed away. He had no idea he was going that day. Luckily, he knew Jesus. He was prepared. But it's a challenge for us today. Are our lives right with the Lord? How do our lives become right with the Lord? Well, first of all, I'd hope that you guys are saved. I hope that you guys have salvation. You've accepted that gift that Jesus has offered. I'll be blunt and honest. Only salvation leads to heaven. If we have not accepted that gift that Jesus has given us, we'll be going to hell. And that's the honest truth, okay? I'm not going to be shy about that. It's not to scare you guys because salvation is easy. Just accepting the gift that Jesus has given us. Jesus died on the cross and made a way to heaven. All we need to do is believe in who he is, accept that gift, just be Jesus coming to my life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. He's literally standing there waiting for you to accept it. It's that easy. <clears throat> are we ready? Do we know where we're going when we die? It's a question many people are scared of. Many people avoid and never deal with. But Jesus says, deal with it now. You never know. You can't change your mind after you die. You can't go back. You don't come back to life. There's no second chances. Your chances now, your life is short. The longer we put it off, we'll never go back to it. So his message is repent and get your life right. And it's out of love. It's not to scare people. He truly loved everybody. He didn't know how many times he would see these people and be able to reiterate his message over and over. Me and Aaron can stand up here and tell you guys every week. That's a privilege we have to be able to see you guys. But I like to be honest, and I know Aaron does too, because we never know when you guys won't be able to come again. Same with Jesus. He was passing by, speaking to millions of people. So he would be blunt and honest. He wouldn't hide behind any answers. So that was his message here. That was what he was doing, going around telling people to get their lives right. And I think that's awesome. That's truly seeing the love that Jesus has for us. He does not want us to miss out. So, Let's continue on in verse 18 and see more of Jesus. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he, sat, or then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brother, uh, other brothers, James, the son of Zeb Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is a crazy section of scripture. It's pretty, like, simple and vague and kind of just easy to read by and ignore. But Jesus sees a couple guys fishing here. He sees Peter and Andrew first, and they're fishing. Now, why are they fishing? They're not doing it just for fun or just like on a fishing trip. This is their job. This is what they do for a living. They go out in a boat, throw a net, hope it catches some fish, drag that net back on, bring it to the shops, lay it on a table, say, five bucks, fish. Next day, go out, get fish, bring it back, sell their fish. 
That's, their, that's what they did for a living. And the same uh, with James and John. Now, before we get in the, what Jesus says to them, something I want to point out is, as Jesus comes up, this isn't the first time uh, they've seen Jesus. Most likely they've heard Jesus' message. They've heard Jesus speaking to a bunch of people. Uh, they know uh, what he's about. They know about repentance. They know about salvation all that. And I would even, I'd even say that they are believers. They believe in the message that Jesus has brought. Maybe it has changed the way they're living a little bit as well. So there's some belief there. And as Jesus comes up and says, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That's asking them, hey, you've believed, you've heard me, you've met me. I'm asking, do you want to take another step of faith? They have a big decision here. It's kind of crazy, this whole decision they have. Why is this important, though? Why are you excited about this, Alex? Well, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were all fine with the way they were living. Okay, their lives were fine. There was, it didn't say there's anything wrong with their lives. They weren't out there sinning. It says they were working, being obedient, providing for the families that they might have or for themselves, making an honest living. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you guys have parents. I have parents who they have normal jobs. They're not pastors or whatever. They just have normal, everyday jobs. My dad's a fireman. My mom's a photographer. They work nine to five, and that's great. We can be obedient in those simple things. I would encourage you to be obedient in those simple things. But Jesus comes and says, great, you guys are awesome, living your normal lives. Would you like to take a step of faith? Would you like to drop your distractions and follow me? And as he does that, think about that decision. Jesus goes, great, you guys are comfortable, making a good living, you have the best fish in the market. Maybe, maybe not, but still. It didn't say they were like barely catching any fish. It just says they're fishermen, so they're successful. But they're comfortable. They're doing fine. There's no challenges in their life. But Jesus comes and says, hey, would you like to come follow me? Now, there's no assurance in Jesus' message there. He doesn't say, hey, come follow me. I'll make you the most popular guys in the world. Or, hey, come follow me, and I'll make you guys the richest people in the world. Or, hey, come follow me, and you're going to get so many Facebook friends and so many more likes on Instagram. It's going to be awesome. Just kidding. But there's no assurance other than that they'll be able to spend time with Jesus. It's truly a step of faith here. And I love their response. It says they dropped everything and followed him. They dropped everything and followed him. They were willing to quit their jobs, their comfortable lives. They're things that were keeping them from spending 24 hours with God, 24-7. Spending so much time with the Lord, drawing closer to Him, stepping out in faith, not knowing where they're going to be, where they're going to stay that night, not knowing what they're going to eat for lunch, not knowing if they're going to be able to even eat, to have food to eat. I'm sure they were like, Maybe, hey, Jesus, what are we going to do for money? He's like, I don't know. We'll just depend on God. Like, oh, okay. But trust me. Follow me. Just have faith, man. It's like, okay. And they did it. They went for it. Scary, for me at least. 
Now, these disciples, they followed Jesus. They saw his works. They heard his teachings. They saw the miracles as they did follow Jesus. They saw people become transformed. And you guys, most of you guys probably know uh, the Gospels or know a lot of the disciples' testimonies. They followed Jesus. They would encourage people to follow Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. For those of you that don't know, spoiler alert, all the disciples died eventually, okay? There's not a disciple that's still alive today. That would be crazy, a 2,000-year-old man, right? But, they, so, all the disciples died, right? Easy fact to know, okay? Now, the Bible will describe some of their deaths. And I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of their deaths were gnarly, torturous, horrible, like brutal Burned alive, hung upside down, crazy, gnarly stuff because they were believers in Jesus, because they were speaking about the life of Jesus, telling people to repent and get their lives right. Not in like crazy ways in your face, but just going out and sharing with people. And the rich rulers, the, the religious leaders who, weren't, who didn't have their hearts right with the Lord, but they were jealous of disciples and of Jesus because they were in it for money, not the disciples, but the religious people. They were in the whole religion thing for money. It was an easy way for them to get money and popularity. Now when, these, when Jesus and his disciples came along who didn't care about money and didn't care about popularity but just cared about the hearts of the people, they were like, we need to get rid of them. They're ruining our business. So they would put them to death. So this lifestyle, following Jesus wasn't easy. They would be ridiculed, run out of cities, as I said, put to death for their beliefs. But there would be no regret in their lives because if you read their writings, the New Testament, their main message is, it's worth it, follow Jesus. Even Paul, he's not a disciple, but Paul. He gave his life over to the Lord. And his message was, Go for it. Do not miss out on the opportunity of serving Jesus. Paul was, lived both lifestyles. He was able to live for himself and do whatever he wanted to do, and then his life was transformed by Jesus, and he was now serving Jesus. In that time, he went from being this rich, powerful man to a man living in the corner of a jail cell, being spit on and ridiculed. But he found that life way more satisfying than any life he had choosing to live for himself. And he encouraged everybody, this is way better. Serving Jesus is so much more satisfying, so much more fulfilling than living a life for yourself. Now the only disciple that had regret in his life, this was Judas. Okay, Judas is the only disciple with regret. Matthew 27, 5 says this, And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple. Now this is the silver Judas was given from giving Jesus over to the men that wanted to put him to death. They paid Judas for information. Judas betrayed Jesus for money. So when throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. That is a man with regrets. He was given money for what he did. 
Yeah, I don't really care what Jesus accomplishes. I'm in it for the money. Got the money. Everything he was living for. And then a gut feeling, the Holy Spirit working in him. It was not worth it. Regret. I don't want this anymore. This is not satisfying. This, is, this was the wrong decision. And they crucified Jesus, and he regretted every decision, threw away the money, and then he took his own life. That is a man full of regret. A man that was not living a life for Jesus, but the other 11 disciples, they did live for Jesus. I'm sure he very quickly saw the difference. Because although they were being spit on, put in jail, beaten, they were like, man, it's worth it. I have no regrets in serving Jesus. It is hard, yes, but it is, I do not regret this. So for us, as we see Jesus and he's calling these men, I believe it can apply to our lives in this way. We too are being called to drop the things that are distracting us from giving our lives fully over to Jesus and serving him and serving Jesus. Now, I'll say this. These men were, were doing their everyday jobs, okay? And as I said, they were, they were probably successful and comfortable. Probably even working some overtime to save up, make some extra cash. And that's fine. But Jesus saw like, hey, you don't need to do that. I'll be able to provide for you. God will provide for us if we drop it and go, and go serve him. Now, you guys don't have jobs. Maybe some of you high schoolers, that's cool. But junior hires, you're not old enough. That's fine. You're like, I do have a job. I take out the trash. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like 9 to 5, 40 hours a week, whatever, okay? You guys aren't old enough for jobs, maybe, and that's okay. But you guys do have things you have to do. School. Junior high through high school, you all, by law, have to go to school until you're 18. And you can drop out. I do not encourage that. And that's exactly my point. As I'm not saying that this is what Jesus is calling you, to quit school, to quit trying for school, and to serve him. Some people might take it that way, so I just want to be clear. I'm not telling you guys to give up on school. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Jesus calls us to try, to do our best, to give our all in things like school, and in serving our parents, and taking out the trash, and whatever thing you find really annoying, but yeah. Jesus calls us to be a good child to our parents, a good student to our teachers, and whoever else is in some kind of authority. You're supposed to be obedient. That's what the Lord is calling us to do, to be good at those things. What he's calling these men and what he calls us to do is drop the things that are distracting us from giving our lives fully over to the Lord. So these, the, these men that would become his disciples, they did not need these things that they dropped. They did just fine without them. And as I said, they had no regrets. So for us, what are those things? I don't know in every single one of your guys' lives. I can make some guesses. Things like TV and Netflix, those are very distracting. Now, are those things bad all the time? Am I saying, like, cancel your account? Like, if needed, sure, but... I watch Netflix. I go to the movies. I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do. But there is a point where those things become so distracting and become the center of our lives that I don't, I, we won't hear from Jesus. 
There needs to be times when we set aside to hear from our Lord, to give our lives over to God, to get our relationship with the Lord right. So maybe it's not just movies and Netflix. Maybe it's our phones, seriously. You guys, I guarantee you that have phones, spend way more time looking at your phone than you ever have looked at your Bible or prayed or talked to God. That's horrible, and I fall into it too. We need to know what those distractions are in our lives. Maybe it's a friend, a friend that's not a true friend because they are just taking you away from the Lord. There are things that we need to drop to cut off and have faith that God is going to provide for us. I can't live without my phone. God, I need to have Instagram or I need to have Facebook. I need to have Wi-Fi. I I assure you guys, you'll be fine. There needs to be limits on our lives. We need to be control of our lives. If we give in to all these distractions, the world is controlling us, and we will not be able to hear from Jesus. We'll be distracted from hearing from Jesus. We need to have our hearts and minds open for what God has for us. So listen as the Lord is calling you. If we are only listening to the things of the world, we're going to miss out on those opportunities. If the disciples are like, nope, I'm making too much money getting all these fish. Can you imagine all the things the disciples would have missed out on? The whole book of the gospel. All the miracles they saw. All the people they saw saved. The way the Lord used them to start churches. Their, basically their whole lives, the best part of their lives. So Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you know or don't know. I'll be able to use you guys. And the cool thing here that he tells these disciples in that, He talks to them and he asks them in a way that they're able to relate, right? Because these are fishermen and he uses the analogy. He says, I will make you fishers of men. Now, he's not going to give them giant fishing poles and go say, oh, stand on the rooftops. We're going to throw these over and like hope some men like just grab it and then we'll reel them up. That's (laughs) just want to be clear on that. But he's talking them into a way that they will understand. Now, think about a fisherman a fisherman's job isn't fancy. It's not like a, a high lawyer. They're not very popular. They're just guys that provide the fish at the market. And they probably stink of fish guts and salty seas and whatever. Okay? It's kind of like, and no offense if your dad is a trash man, but similar. It's not like the job you're like, I'm going to go to college and be a trash man. You get it, right? No offense. But it's that same kind of thing. There's nothing absolutely special about that title. But that doesn't stop Jesus from asking those men. Jesus didn't go to the most powerful people or the, the mightiest warrior or the, the most popular person of the world and say, I want you to be my disciple. He went to the fishermen with very minimal skills. Throw this net. Yes, sir. Pull net back up. Yes. Cut fish open. Urgh. Sell fish. Urgh. Go back out there. Throw net. Urgh. Right? Low-level skills, but Jesus says, I will be able to use those skills and make you fishers of men. 
I believe he saw these men being obedient in the things that were in front of them, providing for, there it is again, providing for themselves and providing for their families. Thank you. And just living good lives. But he says, hey, great, you guys are obedient in those things. Take a step of faith, and I'm going to use you in ways you would never imagine. So for us, for us, if we feel that way, if we feel not skilled, or I only, I'm not popular, I can't be used by God, that's a lie from the enemy, because the enemy knows that God can use every single one of you to do great things. When I was in junior high, and even in high school, I was tiny. I was really short. And not that being tall, whatever. But I was like really timid. I didn't like to, I wasn't the guy that got out and spoke, and I, didn't, I wasn't the awesome worship leader or anything. Actually, the, the instrument I did play was the, the drums or the box, because it was in the background. I didn't want to be seen while I'm on stage. I was shy and didn't want to be used. But it was at a point later in high school that I fully gave over to the Lord and said, Lord, if you ask me to do something, I'm just going to go for it, even though it's scaring me. And it did. The, the, one of the pastors was like, hey, do you want to share out a home fellowship? And I like almost had to go to the bathroom in my pants. It's that scary, right? And that time came and I did it, and it was frightening. I stuttered. It was probably horrible. But I remember afterwards, the Lord being like, that wasn't that bad, right? Like, yeah, okay, great. We're going to do it again. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> but the more and more I gave my life over to the Lord and was serving Him, just out of faith and obedience, the more He would use me, the more He would grow me. And I'm sure these disciples felt the same way. And for you guys as well, we don't need to have special skills or popularity or talents to be used by the Lord. He will use your everyday lives. That's why I encourage you guys to be good students, to be good uh, children to your parents. Sons and daughters, thank you. I'm Whatever. Because as we practice those simple ways, those simple things that God has called you to, He is going to grow you in those ways and use them in ways you won't even imagine. Okay, so let's continue on. Almost done, I promise. Verse 23, And Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went through all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptic, uh, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and Jerusalem, Damascus, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Okay, so Jesus here is sharing his message, but then it says he's also healing people. He's performing these amazing miracles. Very awesome, right? I would have loved to have seen this firsthand. Seeing Jesus here walk on this earth and then performing miracles. Now something to point out is that Jesus wasn't going to one type of person. Again, he wasn't going to the most popular guy. He wasn't going to the, the cool kids table only. It says he was reaching everybody. The people that uh, most common people would ignore. 
those who were sick and full of disease, contagious, that smelt, Jesus was going right to them, healing them, praying for them, coming alongside them. Jesus was serving the people. That's an awesome encouragement for me when I'm feeling lonely or like a loser or I stink because I had a busy day. I know that Jesus doesn't care about those things, but he is always there for me. It's encouraging. Two more verses, chapter 5, or I'm sorry, three more verses. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So again, Jesus is continuing his ministry. It's now in full swing. He's becoming popular by word of mouth. People are telling others around them, Hey, there's this guy, he's healing people. He doesn't care what you look like, what you smell like, what kind of disease you have. He's amazing. You need to come see him. It says that there were giant crowds there following him. This is like thousands of people. That's, a, that's crazy. Okay, there's like 30 people here. Thousands of people, big crowds coming to see him. Just by him being obedient. And having some disciples coming alongside his ministry. That's nuts. So it says that Jesus went here on the mountain. There's two reasons I find why he does this. First of all, he wanted to separate himself from the crowd a little bit. It gets overwhelming when you're trying to speak to a lot of people, especially if you don't have a mic. Okay, 30 people, a mic. Kind of far away seats, so I need a mic so I don't have to strain my voice and yell. Thousands of people, no mic. I got to find a place that projects my voice really well, like a canyon or a hill, so it can travel down the way sound works. And so that's what Jesus is doing, separating himself so he could be heard. But the second thing, too, is in this big crowd, he started to notice something. There were people there that didn't care really about the message of repentance. They were just kind of there for the awe factor. You know, that like, wow, magic tricks. Oh, cool, he's healing people, awesome. But once Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go up the hill. If you want to continue to hear me speak or, you know, see what the Lord does, you got to follow me. So those who really didn't care about him or the message were like, nah, that's all right. I don't want to work hard to go up the hill. Right? I'll just, yeah, whatever. So it says there that he was speaking to his disciples, the ones who were there to hear from the Lord. Those who were willing to make the trek up the hill. And the point I want to make here, and this will be the last, the last point, I promise. I know as a junior higher or high school, a high schooler, uh, being a Christian or a believer, same thing, but being a believer in Jesus is very difficult in today's world. You guys get ridiculed. I get ridiculed. Right? People make fun of us for believing in Jesus. It's not popular anymore to love Jesus, to go to church on Sunday and miss football games, to go to church on Wednesday, to not be able to spend the night at a friend's house because you got to go to church early, or to bring your Bible to school, or to pray before you eat. 
it's not the cool thing to do. Sometimes our lives with the Lord seem like we're walking uphill. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not fun. But there is a little bit of that challenge where Jesus is like, hey, just continue to walk up that hill. You're going to be blessed once you get there. Continue to follow me. I know it's not always easy, but you are going to hear from the Lord as you do that. It's not easy, but it's not hard in that bad way. It stretches us and grows us. It's like when we're exercising. Those guys that run up hills to get in shape, man, I commend them, right? Good for them. As they start doing it every day more and more and more, their legs just become so strong. And then you go on like walks at the mall and you're like, I'm tired, let's go home. They're like, no, like, I'm not tired. I run up hills, I grow. My muscles are strong. That same way as we walk in our, in our walks with Jesus, and it's uphill and we're being challenged, we're growing, we're growing stronger. It is difficult, but just like exercising, it's, it's not easy for most people. But it's beneficial because we become stronger. <clears throat> so Jesus goes up the hill to separate himself from the casual followers there. And it says he teaches his disciple. And that first thing he says there, the beginning of the Beatitudes, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit means to have a correct estimate of oneself. To have the attitude not to satisfy yourself. To be poor in spirit, like poor in the way of the way the world sees you. Or the way you see yourself. The, the way the world judges you is how, by how much money you have. Or how many followers you have. Or how many whatever. The things of this world. What kind of cars your mom or dad drive? What kind of video game system do you have? Oh, you have PS3? Well, I got the four. <clears throat> That's the way the world judges us. But God challenges us in this way. He says, I challenge you to be pleasing to the Lord, not this world. To not give in to what this world wants for you. Because it's foolish. It leads to nowhere and ultimately leads to disappointment. The richest people, the most powerful and famous people of the world are all very disappointed. Are very unhappy and always striving for more and more and more because nothing satisfies them. But the men, like we talked about uh, in a couple weeks ago, John the Baptist, who was just living in the wilderness, wore camel skin because that's what was there. And ate bugs because that was the food that was there. But he was living a life fully for Jesus. He didn't care what the people thought around him. And he was the happiest man there. He had the rich people coming out of their cities to come see him. Because they're like, for some reason that guy is so happy. I want what he has. He had Jesus. He had a life that was given over to Jesus. He was happy in serving Jesus. So that's it, guys. 
That's what Jesus calls us to, to get rid of those everyday distractions that are keeping us from him. To not worry about the lives that this world desires of you. But to, to learn to serve Jesus. Not ourselves, not the world's view. But learn to serve Jesus. Jesus is calling every single one of us. He has something awesome for you guys. To make you fishers of men. Or whatever it is you're passionate about. To use that for his glory. We need to learn to drop what we feel is important. Like, God, no, this, trust me, this is important. I need this. He's like, no, you don't. Have faith. Drop it. Come and follow me. I have something much greater for you. Learn to rely on Jesus and be willing to walk uphill, that uphill battle. And then walk in the way that is pleasing to him. That's it, guys. That's why... This passage, it was hard when I was studying it. I read it, and I was like, we're just going to skip it. We're just going to read through it and skip it. I felt the Lord just kept tugging on my heart. All week, I've been struggling, like wrestling over this passage, wanting to go on to the next verses because they're just a lot easier to get some stuff out of. But as I truly started to read over it and over it, I felt the Lord had this for you guys. So maybe you guys came in today feeling a little bit like down on yourselves. I'm not cool or... My life is just not awesome. I need a change. I need this. I need this. This will make my life so much better. Just unsatisfied with what's around you. I get it. That is the most common trick the enemy will try to do to us. Try to tempt us with. And he'll be like, no, trust me, this is what you need. And you're like, oh, great. And you get it. You're like, no. I still am not happy. So maybe that's how you're feeling today. Listen to Jesus' message here. He's saying, hey, drop the things that are distracting you, the things that people are telling you you need, and learn to live a life for me that is pleasing to me, not, ye, not you. And in that, the life of Jesus that is pleasing to him, you'll find so much satisfaction in. As I said, the disciples... No regrets in their lifestyle to serve Jesus, to make their lives all about Jesus. That's the message here. That's what he has for us, a life that is satisfying, a life that is worth it. Amen? You guys want to serve Jesus? I hope so. Well, I love you guys, and glad I was able to share with some of you high schoolers. Hopefully I'll be able to do it again sometime. And our junior hires are always down to hang out with you guys for Sundays, not other stuff. So you guys are lame. Just kidding. But I love you guys, and uh, let's pray, and we'll get out of here. <clears throat> Lord, uh, we just come to you this morning, and thank you again that we can uh, hang out together as two groups. Uh, but God, it doesn't matter what groups we're in. It doesn't matter what room we're in. Uh, what matters is what really you desire for us, and that we hear from you. God, I pray that would just be uh, it this morning. That you would just use this part of the text, God, this kind of weird story, this random passage. But I pray that you'd use it to change our hearts and then change our minds on, and really challenge the way we are all living. Pray that we would truly examine what is in our lives and what we find most important 
And if it's not you, I pray that we just drop those things. And we would focus on making you the true center of our lives. So God, go before these young men and women. I pray that you would just continue to work in and through their lives. Use them in mighty ways. And, uh, and just bless the rest of their day. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, guys, thank you again. Um, if the building, if people are not coming out, uh, do not go in there and be a distraction. Feel free to hang out in here as we'll